Log Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Good morning. Welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Symmetra, LPGA, and Legends Tour, and so many others, helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, uh, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Rico, and uh, right beside me here, of course, is Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Ted? I'm doing very well. We're just... Uh, having a little bit of rain again here in the south, but uh, I'm not going to complain. Um, it's it's still pretty warm. Uh, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> so let's leave it at that. How about oh, yourself? Good. All is well. The snow is melting a little bit. There's yeah, hope. Buffalo, I love New York. spring. Spring is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, me too. I always like the, um, you know, the first buds popping out and little critters scurrying around. It's always uh, always fun to see, and uh, I couldn't concur more. All right, uh, we're going to start things off here in just a moment or two. Uh, another uh, discussion in the no BS zone. Um, today's topic is going to be how to stay focused during your round. We're going to uh, give a few points there to hopefully help you stay uh, focused. Uh, and a little bit later on, Debbie O'Connell, uh, an LPJ professional, and she's a keynote speaker, author, and entrepreneur, is going to be joining us uh, once again here on the second half uh, of the Women of Golf. But, uh, Cindy, I wanted to start off because, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, talk, obviously, over the last week uh, in a bit uh, on Tiger Woods. And, of course, uh, I think everybody knows by now, it's been on all over the, the major media outlets that uh, Tiger was in a uh, pretty serious accident here just the other week and uh, is now recovering from some, some injuries. Uh, but there's been a lot of speculation, you know, is he going to return to golf? Is he going to play? Um, obviously, the only one that knows that for sure uh, will be Tiger. And uh, we hope he will. But, uh, you know, if he doesn't, that's okay. But I wanted to put something in perspective because everybody says, well, you know, is he going to be able to? He's had a lot of injuries. And, you know, I don't think, Cindy, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well, that it's going to be a physical issue. And, and here's why I say that. Uh, I refer back to Ben Hogan in 1949 when he was in his uh, accident, uh, which, w- again, was very, very um, severe. Just to give you an idea of his injuries, uh, some of his injuries included a double fractured pelvis, uh, a fractured collarbone, and a fractured left ankle. He had a chipped rib and had near-fatal blood clots. Um, so, and that was just some, he had a few other, uh, injuries along the way. And we all know what happened to Ben Hogan. He, you know, it was a, certainly a long journey, but he did recover and he went on and actually won several majors. Um, uh, and, and, and why I say that is to put things in perspective, you know, back in the, in the late forties, even the early fifties, 
the technology was not where it is today with all of the different things that can be done, not only surgically, but from a rehab standpoint. So my thought is this, and I, I want to get your thought here in just a second, um, is I don't think it's going to be a physical issue because he's obviously had other uh, – Tiger I'm referring to now has had other – you know, he's just had back surgery again not too long ago, uh, other surgeries that have come on, I think his shoulder, if, if I'm not mistaken. So we know that he can recover. We know the technology is there uh, to do a lot of these things. I think what it's going to boil down to is does he have the drive to want to go through what he needs to go through to get back out there on the PGA Tour? What do you think? I have to ask a question. How old was Ben Hogan when he was in the car accident? Because I don't know that. Ben, Yeah, Ben Hogan was 36 years old, so he was a little bit younger. Tiger's 45, so you're looking at almost a decade. So you, you have to factor that in as well. But again... Let me just quickly say or reiterate that the technology today with repairs and that sort of thing, the, the advancements are so much greater in this decade than what it has been during Ben Hogan's time. So that's part of the reason why Ben took longer to recover, uh, also because of the severity of his injuries, but also just because of you know there wasn't the same uh, you know advantages, if you will, in in, um, in healthcare and that there are today. Um, but I think it's going to be the mental side of things. And I don't think it's going to be, we all know Tiger's tough mentally, but my question to you is, do you think he's going to want to? And again, this is just speculation, so we don't know for sure. It's up to Tiger. But I think it's going to boil down to, does he want to, does he have the drive, in other words, to want to continue on or just you know, get better, healthy, and, and, you know, certainly play some golf, but maybe not get back out in the ring um, with what he's got. What do you think about that? Well, I'm going to back off of, I, I agree with you. It, does he want to? And who knows? He may mm-hmm. just say, you know what, I've had enough. And Right. But the question is, no one has discussed his back. So he had just right. had surgery and was recovering from that, and no one said, well, how's his back? So he may yeah. not physically be able to do it. We don't know that for sure. They've had to take skin. Right. You know, I mean, again, we have no idea how bad this really is. And yesterday mm-hmm. his comments, on, you know, thank you for go- uh, you know, all your prayers through this tough time. So – we have no idea, but physically do it, the question is, will he want to? And I don't know. You know, yeah. there was speculation that he might have fallen asleep at the wheel because there were no mm-hmm. brake marks, skid marks. You know, who knows what happened? Um, I know he loves those children more than yeah. anything in the world. So he just might say, you know what, I'm kind of done. And what the saddest yeah. part of all... Um, when he played at, it was the Canadian Open in 2000, right? Yep. Was it? I think I believe okay. so, yes. Yeah, so we went up there um, because Alan's a lifetime past champion of the tour, so we, we can go up and we can go in the, on the driving range, we can go in the locker room, or I can't, but he can't. We park with player parking. We get all the credentials. He gets his money clip every year. So we took the kids up 
to watch and see him. And Jamie was 15 at the time. And we were waiting for him to come out to the range. And when this mass of people, this was before the tournament started. This is the beginning of the week. Right. That's the only time we ever go, right? Um, because mm-hmm. you could see more things then. And the mass of people with the police that were around him to protect him, Jamie's mouth just dropped wide open. And he was like, holy cow. And you could almost see my son thinking, I don't know if I want to be him. Right. It was like a a fear of you can't go anywhere without anyone knowing who you are. And so let's fast forward to now. I had no idea the name of his yacht was Privacy. Mm -hmm. And someone else said... Um, that he liked to go scuba diving and he wasn't afraid of the sharks. He made a comment, it's the only place I can be alone. So, again, we don't know what it's like to be him. And he may just say, you know what, I just want to be a dad. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know the man. All I know is that, you know, I'm praying for him and I hope to God he's all right. Yeah. But I know that there's like, oh, this is his biggest battle yet. Yeah, you hit it on a really interesting note, um, and, and I agree with everything that you said. I, I think where the difference is going to lie, if you go back a little, you know, a, a number of years ago, I don't know how old his his, uh, his children are, but um, if you go back to before they were born, and if this was to happen, even if he was the same age, let's say he had no children, I think it would be a different. I think he would have a different view of things because there are no siblings there's no there's not siblings but children involved but i think now that he is a father and has had time to enjoy that uh the fruits of that labor if you will i think it's going to be i think he's going to look at things a lot differently and i and i agree with what you said is he may say you know what i just i just want to you know be a dad i just want to do you know, dad things and watch my children grow. I've already, you know, yeah, I didn't get the, I didn't break the, the, the major record that I wanted to, and maybe some other things that he had, you know, in the back of his mind. Um, but you know, I'm older now, I'm 45. I can watch my kids develop and, and help them and nurture them and, and kind of just get out of the limelight a little bit. And he talked about this even years ago that he said there was going to come a point in time that he was going to get out of golf and do something else. He never really elaborated exactly what he was going to do, but he just said that he doesn't, he's not going to play golf for the rest of his life. Now that doesn't mean he won't play some, you know, rounds out there with friends and stuff. So this may be the catalyst. This may be the opportunity that he says, as you put it, um, you know what, maybe this is the time that I, I drift off into the sunset because he's, he's certainly accomplished more than anybody could imagine and maybe he seeks out that privacy, you know, steps out of the limelight for a while and seeks that privacy um, to be able to enjoy other things. I mean, he's always going to be recognized. There's no ifs, ands, and buts. But maybe this is his opportunity. Again, I, you know, I have no idea. I have no idea. I know that he wants privacy. I know he's going to have months, if not years, to recover from these. We teach a um, reconstructive surgeon at a trauma center, and it was the day after or the day of the accident. It was the day of. It was last Tuesday. 
and um, mm-hmm. or Tuesday before, I don't even remember, but he said the t- broken bones in the upper leg are not a big deal. It's the scrunched, you know, shattered ankle that's going to be the issue. You know, so right. again, who knows how bad this is? And and at first it said he was having surgery on both legs. Then it said it was right leg. Then it was, no, there is injuries on both legs. So who even knows? And he's not right. about to, t- to tell anyone. He doesn't want anyone to know. And that's his prerogative. So, you know, are both legs broken or one leg? You no. know, how's his back? Who knows? No. But, again, God bless him for mm-hmm. – you, you just – he's probably got to say, well, how much more do I have to deal with? You know? Yeah, and I um, yeah, and I don't want people to misunderstand because you know obviously it would be wonderful if he did, but the truth of the matter is first and foremost let the guy recover, let him, you know, let him make whatever decisions he makes. I, I find it really, to be honest, and I was a little bit offended when it first happened that everybody was well, is he going to be able to play again? Is he going to be? I mean, that was their first, you know. Thing yeah, it's like kind shut of up. Top. Is he alive? Yeah, I mean, the guy's just had a, a traumatic accident, and let's let's just you know pray for him. Let's just hope that that you know that he's all right and that there's no long term you know uh, you know there's no brain injury, what have you. And fortunately, it doesn't sound like there is anything serious there. But who the heck knows? Like you said, um, you know, they they said a few days ago that uh, he didn't remember the accident at all. So you know, maybe there was some. Uh, maybe he did bump his head and. And has a little bit of brain fog or what have you. So we don't really know what's going on, and and um, I just think the golf world needs to be grateful for what he has done thus far. But let's treat him like a human being because that's what he is. Yes, he's a great golfer, and yes, he's done so much for the game. But the game will survive, and uh, I think there's just a lot of people out there that are just hoping and praying he's going to come back out there, and you know that would be wonderful. But if he doesn't. Um, and he's happy at whatever he's doing, being you know a father and all these other things. That's wonderful too. Um, golf will survive, uh, you know, if Tiger doesn't come back. So, um, just I wanted to just talk about that for a moment or two before we uh, continued on with the show because I just thought it was it was interesting because everybody's going on about well, these is he going to get back? And I look at again comparing to Ben Hogan, which a lot of people have. Um, I don't think it's entirely impossible. I think if there's a will, there's a way. But I think it's going to be whether he wants to whether he really wants to go through what is going to be necessary to get out there. And at his stage and with everything else, kids and so on and so forth, he may have a lot of other things on his plate that he wants to do, uh, you know, that uh, are off the golf course. So let's just continue to pray for him and and see what happens. And if he comes back again, that's wonderful. If he doesn't, that's okay too. Um, All right. We're going to get into the no BS zone, uh, how to stay focused during your round um, you know, many other sports, Cindy, uh, you know, require athletes to a lot of times make split second decisions. Um, golf, of course, is more of a slow paced that requires careful planning and focus uh, before we make every shot. One of the first steps um, is I think that you need to begin every hole as though it's the first hole in the round. So doing so obviously is very easy on the very first hole in, in 18 holes. Um, but to sort of to try to achieve this uh, on subsequent holes sometimes can be a little bit. So what's your thought process when you were playing around? Did you, did you kind of follow that step and, and, you know, 
after hole number one, when you get to hole number two, it's a brand new hole, and you're going to treat it like the first hole, um, again, so to speak. Uh, what was your process? How did you treat each hole? You know what? I don't think I segmented them into holes. I segment them into swings. And just each each swing is a new opportunity to make the ball go where it's supposed to go. I never thought, oh, it's so many holes done. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, you know, I just always thought about the next swing and then thought about that swing and how what's my best way to make this ball go where I want it to go. It's my smartest play from this location, <clears throat> which is kind of weird, but... No, I think everybody has their own uh, approach to things. You know, wh- one of the reasons why I think this is kind of a good thing, and, and, and it's, again, a lot of golfers struggle with their tee shots on a hole, especially if the previous hole was a bad one. Um, you know, you have to have, as they say, a short memory. You've got to be able to put those bad holes. And I think that's really what the point that, that's trying to be put forth here is that you want to treat every hole like it's the very first one, like you've never played any holes before, so that way you're not bringing, as we've joked you know, in the past, you know, like you're dragging your luggage to the airport. You, know, you don't want to bring the baggage from past holes into this shot. Um, certainly you're identifying shot by shot, but essentially you're treating each hole as though it's brand new and there's nothing else that you're focusing on from the past. And I think that's really what, what they're trying to say here in, in this first step. Um, the other one, too, is, is step two is to block out distractions. Uh, when you set up for your shot, think of nothing but the ball and how you're going to, you know, hit it or how you're going to, you know, execute the shot. Because um, there's a lot of distractions, um, believe it or not, out in the golf course. Uh, people driving by in a cart, you know, even birds chirping in the in the background. Was there anything that you did, Cindy, when you were, you know, stepping up over a shot to try and help block out what was going on around you? How did you keep yourself focused, or did you? <clears throat> Well, again, each shot, you have to block things out. Like when people, if the fairways are lined with people, they end up just looking like trees. I mean, you're not ever thinking mm-hmm. about, oh, i got to not hit these people. At first you are, right? The first time you've ever been on sure. a golf course and you're playing in a tournament, there's a bunch of people there. But um, you realize that you're the one that's in control. And and, yeah, there's times that somebody goes by and screeches a cart or a, or a horn, you know, a car going by on the road might beep or something to distract you. But, again, your mission out there is to walk up to each shot, whether it's the tee shot on a hole or your second shot or your bunker shot or a chip shot or a putt of what's my best play from this location and how do I set up and hit it. Now, when you have a bad hole, the catch is that um, you have to stop and say, how do I fix the swing? Like, I can react, and then I have to respond and say, I can get ticked off for five seconds, right? And then say, okay, what did you just do to make that happen? Now, if you don't know what causes your bad shots, we have to go back to point A and figure that out. But once you know what causes the bad shot, you have to say, oh, I know what I did. Most times I miss shots, I don't totally commit to the process. And so I have to look in the mirror and say, okay, that was totally your fault. It's always your fault, but that was your fault. You didn't commit to the process. So in other words, sometimes you miss shots, 
because you don't make a really strong commitment and decision for the shot that you want to hit. So, yep. I, I, yeah, sometimes it's hard to focus if you're not paying attention or you don't want to be out there or there's other things going on in your life, but that's, that's just life, right? But if you're really, yep. again, watching Tiger, this guy is always on a mission. There was a tournament, I can't remember the name of it, but he was getting ready to hit a shot and he and um, I don't, I think it was his other caddy. We're talking about it. And he said, okay, this is how far it's going to play. This is how far I want to land it. And all, you could hear him talking. And he said mm-hmm. to him, if the wind changes, call me off. So what he was saying was, I don't want to think about the wind when I'm getting ready to hit this shot because like yep. Jordan Spieth with the shot in the water at the Masters, he changed his thoughts in the middle of a swing. Well, you, and yep. We've all done that. And then we all know that mm-hmm. the ball doesn't go where you want it to go. So, again, Tiger was smart enough to say, if the wind changes, call me off. In other words, I'm not going to be thinking about the wind. I've committed to the shot that we've planned. So that's my right. thought. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point um, and, and a testament to just the, the level of play that, that Tiger had. Um, I mean, I've seen him stop short in, in a in a what would seem like he was hitting the throttle and then he would just stop short right. because something just wasn't wasn't right. And I mean, it's just I mean, no wonder why he's had some back issues. I mean, when you're putting that kind of torque together and then all of a sudden you put the brakes on, you know, three quarters right. of the way through the swing. Um, if you, if you don't have back problems, then you're not human, but, um, uh, but yeah, no, I agree with everything. All right. Uh, step three, um, setting small goals for each round. Uh, I think, uh, number one, they need to be achievable and they need to be realistic. This is an area that a lot of people, Cindy, uh, you know, and, and whatever they may be, you know, is, is up to the individual, but this is another one too, um, that people fall into to a, a trap in is that they, they get into, you know, they focus on well, what I want to shoot for the round overall, but they don't really set, you know, the steps that they need to get there and the little goals along the way to achieve that. I mean, it might be great to, to, to break 90. That might be your overall goal, but what do you need to do um, very quickly? Uh, Cause I want to keep it moving cause we're getting low on time, but um, what are your thoughts here about uh, what are maybe some ideas that, you've helped students to do to, to maybe set some interim goals, if you will, in a round to help them uh, stay uh, achievable and realistic. I think a game plan, you know, again, if you want to shoot 90, that's bogeying every hole. So you can lower the expectation and you say, well, I don't need to be on the green in regulation. And being on the green in regulation means that you are, um, you always get two putts. So par threes, you're on in two instead of one. And par fours, you're on a three instead of two. And par fives, you're on a four instead of three. And then you two putt, which makes bogey. So if your job is just to bunt it down the fairway to get on the green and one over regulation and two putt every hole, you just shot 90. So I think Mm -hmm. people try too hard to shoot a score and put too much pressure on themselves. It's kind of like the guy on the range that says, oh, this is your last ball. It's got to be good. I'm like, no, it's yeah. just another swing. There's no extra right. value. There is no extra value on different shots. It's, it's, this is another swing. And when I practice all the swings, 
then I'm good at swinging, then I can hit the ball, and then I can score. So that's my thought. You know, I'm, I'm laughing inside about what you just said about the guy in the range because I can't begin to tell you how many people I've heard mumble that to themselves and, you know, they're like they're at the Masters and they've got this crucial shot to hit and it's the last ball in their bucket and they, they duff it and they're getting ready to go out in the round, but they don't want to go out on a bad shot. So they'll, they'll actually run out in the range and, and scoop a couple of the close balls to hit a few because they want to end on a good note. And I understand that, but, but it's, it's true. People are like, you know, I've got to hit this great shot. And then when they don't, you know, like you said, it's just another swing. They don't. And, you know, suddenly they're scrambling and they'll keep hitting more and more and more balls until they, um, you know, hit that shot that they feel is okay but that's really kind of defeating the purpose because what it, what it's doing is it, it's it's causing them to focus on the bad shots and search for the good one. And uh, that's not going to help you when you get on the golf course because you're going to hit some bad – listen, let's be honest. You're going to hit some bad shots. Um, step four, uh, and this will help hopefully a little bit uh, to calm things down and narrow your focus, and that is develop a, a, a good pre-shot routine. Um, you know, Cindy, I know this is something that, you know, you've helped many – of your students do, and that is to develop a good pre-shot routine because, and, and the pros, you know, if you watch them, they'll go through their routine and they'll actually step away. Now, obviously, you know, we've got to be conscious of slow play out there, but they'll step away. If they get out of their routine, they will step away, they will regroup, and they will start the whole process again. And there's a reason for, for doing that. Maybe you can explain why. Because your brain needs to know what you're doing. It, be, it com- mm-hmm. becomes accustomed. So, Again, everyone's different, and you have to keep within your own personality traits. But as you're walking up to the ball, look and see, where's my smartest play? How far am I from the hole? Don't wait till you get there. Kind of anticipate what you think you might want to do. And then you have to go through the process of, you know, how far is it? Where's the trouble? Where do I want to land this? What's my lie look like? What's the wind doing? What's the temperature? All those factors matter before you make the decision of what club to hit. And then ask yourself, am I committed to this decision? So I'm going to make a deal with myself, and I'm going to commit to every decision I make. And I'm not going to pull the trigger until I do that this year. So there. But you have to do that so that you become accustomed so no shot has more value than another. Right. And and by staying focused and going through that routine, that is also going to help you be – less distracted because you're you're focusing on a task you've got a task at hand excuse me you've got a task at hand which is your pre-shot routine and as you're going through those various steps and again it's a very quick process not you know we're not talking minutes or hours or anything but when you're focused on that suddenly all of the things in the in the background and around you even your playing partners suddenly are out of focus um, it's like your peripheral vision. You know, you know something's there, but you're not focused on it because you're focusing straight ahead. And that's really what a pre-shot routine does. It helps you stay focused on the task at hand, and it gives you, uh, you know, steps, if you will, uh, to prepare yourself for the shot at hand, and gives you something basically to do. It's a, like a, a mini to-do list, if you will, um, as you prepare well, to hit that I, shot. And I have to interrupt. Your brain can only think of one thing at a time. And you're in yep. charge of what it's thinking. So if you are aware of that, like Alan shows the kids that we teach a lot, the competitive kids that play in a lot of tournaments, he'll walk up and he'll hit the shot while he's talking to himself. 
And he said, what was I just doing? And they're all like, well, I don't know. And he's like, I was talking to myself. I'm telling myself what to do, when to do it, the whole time I'm getting ready to hit a shot and during the swing. And I, we have a girl that plays D1 college golf who said, you know, oh, my God, I never thought while I was swinging. I'm like, well, you got to talk to yourself because your body will do whatever it wants. And if you're not saying anything, that little gerbil will go, look out. You know, there's a water. Right. Right. Which is what happened to Jordan, right? Right. And and Tiger did it. Exactly. In the middle, I I lost commitment in the middle of my swing. You got to talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, exactly. And the the final step is uh, to clear your mind after hitting each shot and enjoy the walk to your ball if you're walking uh, or even a, a, you know, uh, hopefully it's a long cart ride, not a short cart ride. Um, and because, uh, <laughs> g- you know, no, it's true. I, I mean, I got to wait. I got to take a cartlet. Yeah. So I, this woman comes in, this is probably 30 years ago. We're giving a lesson. Alan's giving the lesson to her and she, she hits this ball and it goes about 30 yards. Right. And she's like, Oh, that was awesome. And he goes, he go, she goes, that's a rider. And Alan says, what's a rider? She said, I hit it so far, I have to ride to the next shot. <laughs> <laughs> so we all want to hit riders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and But it's so true. You know, I mean, that's what you want. You want a long cart ride. If you're going to take a cart as opposed to walking, you don't want to have to stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, because you're not hitting it very well. Uh, and that's why I always try to encourage people whenever possible to walk because it gives you time to calm down, cool down, you know, enjoy the, the scenery because it's, you know, uh, it's a beautiful uh, uh, venue to be playing on. And uh, a lot of people when they're, you know, driving in a cart, and I'm not saying that as a critical, but if you're not a, a, a solid player and you're only hitting it, you know, you're, you're duffing it all, all the time, uh, you know, you're on and off that cart more often than you are hitting the golf ball. Um, and it's just, uh, I just don't see it as an enjoyable, uh, experience. All right. Uh, we got to end the no BS zone. We're going to take a quick little break and then we're going to introduce our very special guest, Debbie O'Connell. Uh, and, and, uh, we will look forward to having her join us on the second half of the program. Here's a quick advertisement from golf tips. The following ad is sponsored by golf tips magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Um, we're going to be joined by our very special guest. Let me just tell everybody a little bit about her. She's actually been on our show before. Um, our guest this morning is Debbie O'Connell, and she is an LPGA professional and a keynote speaker, author, and an entrepreneur. Uh, she's uh, a veteran of the women's uh, professional golf. And uh, she's also a dynamic, engaging, entertaining, knowledgeable speaker and leadership advocate. Uh, her energy, passion, and authentic, positive nature motivates and inspires her audiences to have the courage to strive to reach their full potential in all areas of their life. 
she's a seasoned media professional and is the host uh, of the recently launched Game Time Golf Positive channel for Audible, which is an Amazon-owned company. Uh, she's also had multiple appearances on the Golf Channel and has hosted numerous golf-oriented radio shows as well as a television show, Par for the Course. Uh, as I mentioned, she's also an author, and uh, her first book was Golf Positive, Live Positive. Um, so let's welcome Cindy, our very special guest this morning, Debbie O'Connell. Good morning, my Good. friend. Oh, Cindy, thank you so much. Good morning. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I appreciate that. It's a thrill to be on the show again. We're so glad you're we, here. We appreciate having you back, and we love the energy, especially in this day and age with everybody kind of feeling a little bit gloomy. So I'm going to just very quickly, I'm going to start off with just one question, then, Cindy, I'm going to let you take over uh, for a little bit. But um, we've all... I mean, I don't want to beat this to death because everybody's been talking about it. Obviously, this last year, we've all gone through um, some very stressful times for a lot of folks. What have you done to stay positive through this process with the pandemic? Because I know it's not been easy for a lot of folks. What have you done, not only for yourself, but what have you done with those that you're working with to, to keep that positive energy despite some difficult uh, times? Uh, that, is, that is such a great question and very valuable at this time. You know, uh, one of the biggest keys that uh, is part of my philosophy, and I think that when people engage in this, it certainly does help. I mean, we all go through tough times, right? You know, that's why it's so important mm-hmm. to enjoy the times that aren't hard, <laughs> meaning, you know, uh, you know, there's times we're going to go through, through death and, and illness, and those are times that it's okay to be sad. You know, it's not like during that time you want to change that around and say, okay, I need to be positive. That's not the time for that. There's time to to grieve and mourn. I actually had um, two deaths in my family with COVID in 2020. And um, Mm. so there were those times. Other than that, in between Mm. those and and obviously the concern, here's the formula for everybody to write down. It's E plus R equals O. So we have an event, right? We have COVID and then we have, mm-hmm. you know, fear going on and all these emotions. Um, and, you know, same, you know, you can compare it to golf too. Sometimes we were really nervous and anxious on the golf course, right? So we have this event going on and, and then a lot of people think there's the event and there's the outcome, but in between there, there's the R, which is your reaction, your response to it. How do you respond mm-hmm. And the best way to respond to things, the, your, your most amazing leaders go from thinking about everything that could go wrong and everything they're afraid of and changing that to say, okay, what can I do? What can I control? What can I control? And then I want to think, I want to be in a peak state so I can think clearly. I can find solutions. I can perform at my best so if we think about it in terms of golf even so you have an event you hit the ball in the water or out of bounds or it's in the rough or it's in the bunker and you have these negative emotions come up well your response to that is key for your next move forward you want to get yourself in a positive state of mind in a positive emotional state and then you'll be able to think clearly you'll be more creative you'll be solution oriented and you'll be able to move forward it's the same with covid so the things that i did was I went from being on Facebook Live Mondays and Fridays to seven days a week in the morning. I wanted to be a positive, bright light for people. I started to do karaoke mm-hmm. on Sundays. 
Um, so people would come in for free, and we'd set up karaoke. And I say, look, just come on, act crazy, let's laugh a little bit, let's celebrate life um, in the best we can. So I, my focus was, you know, really uh, helping people to shift their mindset into what can I do and what's possible. And we saw so much of that. People starting to make masks in Italy. They're singing all together outside on their patios and they're banging pots to cheer for people. So people found more solutions to get through this very difficult time. And that's something you can apply to everything. So it's the event plus your response equals the outcome. And you can choose to be in a more positive peak state to get through hard times. That is an excellent point. And, you know, and and thank you for sharing that. You know, Debbie, it, it's very similar. You know, we always hear um, people when they celebrate their successes, and of course, we don't hear so much about their failures. But really, you learn more from your failures. And, and I don't want to equate that this isn't a failure, but uh, obviously, when you go through tough times, and that that's where you really dig down and you you find your strength to get through the other side. And that's what we do when you know we fail at something is we we identify what areas that we weren't able to um, you know, handle or develop or what have you, and then we draw on those strengths that we did have to help get us through the other side. So it's very, very similar um, in, in what you're saying in a situation where somebody maybe has struggled and, and maybe failed at something, whether it's out in the golf course or in their personal life. That's where we learn most of our valuable lessons to be able to then go on and succeed. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Well, if I could add to so that before t- we go on is, you know, you talk about yes, uh, experience is the greatest teacher, right? It's experience teaches mm-hmm. us so much, but it truly it's examined experience is our greatest teacher. If you don't take the time right. to learn from your yep. experiences, it's very challenging to learn fr- from them and grow. So, you know, a great quote by Joel Osteen is, if you're, if you're going to go through it, grow through it. And, and here's what happens. When right. we do succeed, we don't usually sit and analyze things. How could I have done better? Well, I came in first. I got the check. You know, I'm doing great. My business is exploding. My golf game is great. I'm shooting my lowest scores ever. You know, we don't always examine that round and learn from it. When we go through hard times, when we do fail, that's when it's time to examine it. But if we always examine experiences, we'll have a, a continual growth mode all the time. Right. Well said. Um, sorry, Cindy, go ahead. That being said, what would you tell people that have issues and um, from their experiences they develop beliefs, you know, a negative mindset, a limiting belief, uh, oh, here we go again, and the Eeyore complex. How would you shift that mindset to, oh, maybe I should look in the mirror and see what I just did and I can grow from it. And it's not doom and gloom. What would you tell someone? There, oh, that, that's an awesome question as well. You, you two are amazing. Um, so there's, there was a couple ways to do that. One is to just interrupt the pattern. So how do we interrupt the pattern? You're feeling doom and gloom. You just made a bad shot on golf. You're having a bad day. And the pattern that you've had in the past is to put your head down, slump your shoulders, and, and think of all the negative and stack up every negative thing going on in your life, everything that could go wrong and everything you could worry about. So one key to do this consciously is to sh- interrupt that pattern, shift your state. So 
So how do you do that? You can just literally stand up and put your arms in the air and your shoulders back, get your chin up and put a smile on your face and say no or something to interrupt it. And then start with some positives. Start to stack things that you're grateful for. When you go to grateful, you cannot be stressed. You can't feel those two things at the same time. They've done the test on the brain and had someone be all stressed out and down. And then they say, okay, now think grateful thoughts and really think about them from the heart. What do you most appreciate? Who do you love the most? What, what can you be thankful for? And sometimes it's, if you can see, you can be thankful you can see. If you can hear, if you can walk. Sometimes it's those things. I have food on the table. I have a, whole, I have a roof over my head. I have, I have friends who love me or family who loves me. You know, so it's, you know, we, we've got to find something we're thankful for, and, and that will shift it. But the physiology, two things, physiology and focus can interrupt it consciously. And then if you add exercise to that with some positive, like really incantations, you know, I am strong. I am amazing. I'm growing and learning every day, every day in every way. I'm getting better and better and better. And you add exercise to that, now it starts to get into your nervous system. So that's one way to do it consciously. I've also been going deep into the brain, and what I have found is that so many of those beliefs are from the past are from your childhood between zero and seven. So someone who gets so angry on the golf course or they feel like they have to prove themselves and they're so nervous and they feel like they fail all the time, it could be because when they were a kid, they were never good enough. And they didn't feel Mm -hmm. loved unless they were winning. They didn't feel loved unless they did everything perfectly. So now there's this limiting belief, when I fail, I'm not loved. And that, I mean, it's crazy to think that that will affect your golf game but as directly affecting so many golf games. Because when you're trying to hang on to that great round and it's that pressure of don't fail or else I feel horrible, I'm not good enough, or you believe you're not good enough, you self-sabotage. So there's a way yep. through what, what I've been trained in is timeline therapy and neurolinguistic program. We actually go on the timeline and go deep into the unconscious mind and we shift that. It's called a breakthrough. And we, we actually detach those beliefs and those emotions at the unconscious level, and it happens instantly. So those are the two ways. You can do it through, you know, conscious, physiology, incantations, <clears throat> movement, interrupt those patterns consciously. And, and the more you interrupt it, now you're interrupting a neural connection that you used to have, and that needs, that needs time. You've got to continue to do it and always interrupt those patterns. Or we go back on the timeline and we, we um, change it instantly because it was, it, that decision and that belief was made instantly. It was, there was a moment in someone's life where they decided they weren't good enough or they weren't loved, they weren't smart, they weren't strong, whatever it was. They, weren't, they were inadequate. Whatever that was, it happened in an instant, and through timeline therapy and neurolinguistic program, we can change that in an instant. Yeah, awesome. it's amazing. Um, Cindy, before yeah, – yeah, uh, what I was just going to add real quick to that – you know, it made me think, we, uh, Cindy and I were talking at the beginning of the show uh, about Tiger, um, you know, and, and what's sort of going on in, in his life right now. And just what you said a few minutes ago or, or, or the last couple of minutes reminded me of some early interviews um, of Tiger Woods. And I remember him saying this, and I remember kind of the shock on the announcer's face. You know, Tiger was, of course, always about the W. He, you know, he wanted to win, and that was his goal. I mean, he wanted to win tournaments and, and obviously majors, much like Jack. Uh, but on days when he didn't win, which there were obviously a lot of them, um, 
it was interesting. One time I remember particularly he was inter- being interviewed, and the, and the announcer said to him, he said, you know, Tiger, he said, you didn't win, and, you know, how do you feel about your game? And what was really shocking was he came out and he said, you know what, I, he said, I played my A game today. He said, I was hitting, the, you know, fairways, I was doing really well, um, and I was putting really good. It just didn't sink enough putts to, you know, to, to shoot the, the score I needed to shoot. But even in a moment when he lost, he always found something positive to talk about his game. Now, obviously, he pointed out at, from time to time areas that he needed an improvement on, but he always seemed to dig deep and find something positive out of his round. And I remember if flipping the switch on times when he would win an event and he would kind of downplay how he played. He said, yeah, I won the event and I'm happy and excited about it, but I didn't play my best today. So, you know, he always managed to take whatever situation he might have and always try to look at the positives of it and not the negatives from it. And I think mentally that's what made him so tough. What do you think about that, Debbie? I I think mostly your greatest players will do that. Um, Jack Nicholas, I remember an interview years ago, he made a a, a double bogey or something happened in one of the holes, and they asked him about it in in the interview. And he said, you know, I don't really remember that hole, but I can tell you about the Mm -hmm. birdie I made on this and the eagle I made on that hole. Right. And and it's kind of like forget about it and move on. And um, I was just reading in a book, oh, gosh, I think it was Bob Rotello's book, and one of the PGA Tour players would go in the interview and say, talk about everything they did wrong. And they noticed that Tiger would never do that. Now, he and he right. would talk about the positives of the day, and he would focus on that. Now, I would venture to guess that Tiger then would go back and analyze what he could have done better. And, and it's how you sure. approach that. It's not being negative if you're going back and saying, okay, where did I lose some shots today? What part of my game can I improve? If you're asking positive leading questions, it's going to lead you to positive answers, and that's not being self-critical. That's the examined experience that we want to move forward. So I would would venture to say he does that because he does that in the wins, as you said. He's still trying to get better. That's why he changed his swing. So I would think, you know, Mm -hmm. just – not having talked to Tiger, there's something about with him that it has to be a challenge. He has to, he has right. to strive and make it hard. He, he went and trained with Navy SEALs. Why? Because he wanted to be as hard as possible for him to climb the mountain. You know, and, mm-hmm. and every time he changed the swing, it was hard again, and he had to climb the mountain again, and he got back to the top. You know, we've seen so many roller coasters with, with Tiger in, in his life, and I would think that would be an interesting discussion of of what is important to him about having a huge challenge in front of him and conquering it. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, I think that would probably uh, think, be one of the questions if he and I were chatting that I might ask. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a great question and and very very interesting to see how he would respond. You offer a lot of courses. I've obviously visited your website. Um, you've got everything from the five day challenge to um, unlocking your champion uh, mindset. How do we do that? Oh, my goodness. Well, the, the website is Debbie, D-E-B-B-I-E, hyphen, the little dash, O'Connell, O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L.com. And uh, the five-day challenge, you just click on it. It's free. It's a three-minute video for me each day. And it's, it's that conscious change in mindset that I talked about earlier with Cindy's great question. And, and we, we do something each day to help you shift into a more positive mindset. 
the keys to a champion mindset is where we start to dig into the unconscious mind. And we ask, when was the first time that you felt you weren't good enough? Or from where did this come? You know how people get on the golf course and the first thing you hear on the tee oftentimes, and Cindy, I'm sure you've done this with a playing lesson. First Mm -hmm. thing they do is give you all the excuses of why they're about not to play well. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like you know right. you know I, I you know we just had that lesson two days ago and I didn't get to practice in between or yeah my neck's a little sore today and I, I've been stressed out like mm-hmm. all of a sudden all the excuses come out you know so people are protecting themselves why is that what what where from where does that come so the keys to a champion mindset it's five days of uh, 90 minute webinars with, with me and then every person gets their own coach so they take the information and they say, well, how does that apply to you? And they help them to examine where the limiting beliefs are coming from, from where they come. And uh, it's a, such a, it's the most powerful program that I've put together um, ever. It, and especially I wanted to make it so personalized because you can do webinars, but then when you get on the phone mm-hmm. with a coach and you actually talk about your emotions and thoughts and what you're learning and what you're discovering and, and your coach helps you to go even deeper – it's really powerful. And, and because I wanted to have an irresistible offer, it's only $97 for all of that time with me and, uh, and your coach. And at the end, we even give you a 40-minute strategy session to help you move forward and implement everything in the best way forward for you to be your best, the best golfer that you can be and uh, go out and shoot your low scores and, and not be so frustrated and angry and disappointed on the course anymore and go out and, and stop self-sabotaging so you can – Enjoy it. Play your best. Be resilient and focused and go, go win that tournament. Go shoot your low score. Have the front nine that's amazing and go to the back nine and still play the same way instead of blowing it, <laughs> as many of us right. have done in our golf careers, right? <laughs> hey, who is right. this on the back nine? Man, I played so great on the front. What happened? Well, you know uh, what? You didn't quite believe you were that good. Yeah, so those that's are the, so those true. Are the two but, I'd, I'd recommend. And and I have that's coming that's up a, actually March twentieth. We're starting the new uh, it's live keys to a champion mindset. And there's replays, so if someone can't make it, there are replays as well. Perfect. That's a great deal, by the way. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Let me ask you. When I know you teach a lot of kids, and you're a high school golf coach or have been, and I don't know if you're doing it currently, but what do you do, and how do you handle? Uh, a youth that's hitting balls and trying really hard and the parent that's standing behind them with, um, you know, commentary after every shot. How do you handle that? That is, that's a really good one because, you know, you do find that so much. It's, it's really a one-on-one discussion with the parent. And I basically ask the parent some questions in terms of, so what are your goals for your child? Right. What do you, what do you see? And, um, and then I ask permission, can I share the best way you can support them? So it's, it's asking them, you know, obviously they care. They're there for that reason, right? But oftentimes that puts pressure on, the, on their child. And, you know, I've even, I even felt this playing golf with my mom as an adult, as an LPGA professional, we're playing, I'm playing pretty well, and I miss the shot, right? Just fade it you know, over into the, either the woods or the rough on the right or goes into a fairway bunker. And she looks at me, she says, what happened? And, and it's so funny because in the past, she'd say that I would, I would go to, oh, my God, she thinks I'm not good enough. Like, it's like, what happened? Like, why did I do something wrong? And that probably came from when I was a kid and I was a good athlete. And if I didn't succeed, it was probably this kind of surprise. 
but for now as an adult and knowing and shifting my, my mindset and having a breakthrough, now I know she just, she sees me as this amazing golfer and she's so surprised if I hit a poor shot. She's like, what happened? Like, you're, you're really amazing at this. It, but you, you don't say that part as a parent, right? You don't say, hey, I am so excited for your success and you're doing great and I'm so proud of you. Uh, so what, what, ha- what do you think happened on that one? Let me help you grow. No, it's not that. It's, hey, what ha- why'd you miss that shot? Or why didn't you win the tournament, right? Or they start to want to help and they don't even know how to teach. Um, so the intention is good. And so, you know, asking the parent the question. So, you know, you're, you're here for the lesson. So what are your goals? You know, and do it in a positive way. What are your goals for, for Joe, Joey? You know, great. And, and um, obviously we all have the same purpose here. Our highest intent is to make Joey the best golfer. Is that, is that true for you? Is that what you're thinking? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. That's why we're here. I want, I want him to really excel at this. Well, can I as a professional – uh, give you some some tips on how we can, as a team, help him to be the best golfer he can be. Because what's important for those kids is to know that they are good enough as a person and their score is not who they are. A poor shot doesn't make them a bad person. It's a growth opportunity. And you can train the kid because you're teaching the kid. It's getting that across to the parents in the most positive way and get the parent as part of the team. And the best way they can be part of the team is to – First, ask Joey how he felt on the golf course, not what he shot. Did you have a good time out there? Did you try your best? I'm proud of you. You tried your best. And leave them alone while they're practicing and, and say, look, we have the highest intention here. I'm just here to serve you, and I want to support you, and I want to support Joey, and let's make him the best golfer. Are you on board? Yeah, well, here's, here's what I would suggest. Let, him, let me coach him without you here because then we develop the great relationship we need. He can focus better. He can be – at his best, not to say that your support isn't important. It is. But to, to support him the best is chat with him afterwards. Ask how he did, if he's focused, if he enjoyed the lesson. Ask how he feels as a person. So though, that's what I'd recommend, Cindy. I think when we ask people questions and, and they feel part of it and they're on board and they can help find the solutions, it may be better. It, it, it will definitely yeah, help. Yeah, I I find that it's so sad because you can almost, you can see the limiting beliefs of the parent coming out with the child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not your job to shove a mirror in their face. And so you really need to just ask the questions and then hopefully the parents, you know, receptive enough to say, okay, I need to stop. So, yeah. Or I need to change yeah. my communication. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and help them with that to support them the most. But, yeah, most of the time it is that. The parents' own failures, they weren't good enough, and now they're going to they're gonna show how good they – they're proving themselves as a parent, right, by having this, right. this kid who's incredible. God. So it's their own – just it's per, perfectly stated to me. It's their own limiting beliefs that, that are they're coming out in their parenting. And no one's right. perfect. You know, you know, my philosophy in life, and I live by this, is everyone's doing the best they can for what they know and what their life experience was. You know, yeah. we don't right. know right. how those parents grew up either and where these beliefs came from. We can just, you know, our job is to make their child the best golfer they can be. That's why they came to us. That's why we're teaching them. So having that discussion in terms of asking lots of questions, I think, will, will really at least 
at least help them understand a little bit more. You're not supposed to be the psychologist for the parent, um, but doing your best there and help them to understand <laughs> the highest intention of all of us is to make Joey the best golfer he can be. And right. here's what I found with my experience. Can I share it with you? You know, ask their permission. Cause once they give you permission, they've already said, okay, I'm going to at least listen to you and consider what you're saying. Right. Can I, right. can I tell right. you what, what works that I've seen hundreds right. of times work when the parents were like this? Perfect. Yeah, Thank it's you. it. it yeah, it's amazing. You know, when you when you hear parents, um, almost get to a point where they're tearing their child down. And I know they're not meaning to do it maliciously, but you're you're right in your analogy is that they're, you know, through their own failures, if you will, or or difficulties, they're now manifesting it into their children, and you know, instead of hey did you have a great time? It's like, I can't believe you hit those shots or I can't believe, you know, you were so close to winning. How could you not, you know, sink that last putt? It was only eight feet, you know, or something along that lines. And you can almost hear the air coming out of that child's lungs as they deflate. And it's just sad. Oh, yeah. and it's, you know, it's difficult. Uh, you know, my heart goes out to, to instructors who work with a lot of juniors, especially, um, whether it be, you know, in high school or collegiate, because, you know, these kids get out there, they're excited, they're wanting to be part of, you know, the golf team and, you know, and juniors and their parents are in the background, you know, giving them a hard time. Um, it, it just gets to the point where many of them just say, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm, I'm never going to get to that level. Um, you know, I'm never going to please them. And they just walk away from something that they may have been very good at because they're constantly being measured against somebody else by their parents. Well, look at so-and-so, you know, they can do it. Why can't you do it? You know, that kind of thing as well. And it's just very, very difficult, but um, some great points, uh, Debbie, uh, in in that area. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, One final thing as we get ready to wrap up uh, your book, golf positive, live positive, uh, is it still available, and where can the listeners, if they choose, to get their hot little hands on it? Yeah, absolutely. It is still available. That was a, a fun book to write, although I had a limiting belief I'm not smart enough. So when I was writing the book, I found I kept cleaning the junk drawer instead of writing my book when I scheduled time to write the book, and I thought, wow, I never like to clean the junk drawer. Why am I doing this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, because I don't think I'm smart enough, and who's going to want to read this book anyway? And I might embarrass myself if I don't write it well because of this limiting decision. So I had to do some work there to complete the book, which I am, uh, I'm so excited about. So there's, it's, uh, it's neat. It's, it's golf and then the golf lessons, then we relate them to life. Uh, which is fun. It's on mm-hmm. Amazon, so you can purchase the, the hard copy there. And then it's also, you can download it for free. You get a PDF of it on my website. So if you go to the front main page, you scroll down and it says, get your free book here. And then we email it to you. So there's two ways, two ways to get the book. It, it's, it's a fun read. Uh-huh. Someone just wrote me the other day and said, hey, I'm, I'm halfway through your book. I'm really enjoying it and gaining some good lessons from it. So I hope everybody enjoys it who gets it. Perfect. Awesome. And the website again, Debbie, real quick? It's uh, debbie-o'connell.com. Perfect. B-E-B-B-I-E well, Debbie, O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, uh, we're going to have to have you come back because there's so many other great things I know that you can come on and talk about. And it's always refreshing to have somebody positive and uplifting 
uh, you know, on the show and encouraging uh, for our listeners. So we're going to definitely have you come back uh, when convenient for you. But um, thank you for joining us this morning, and we appreciate all that you do to help us stay positive and uh, live a, a positive life. So thank you for what you do. Well, thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure to spend the time with both of you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Debbie. You're awesome. Oh, thank you, Cindy. I appreciate that. All right. Bye-bye. All right, Debbie O'Connell, uh, LPGA professional, uh, keynote speaker, author, and, of course, entrepreneur. Um, we want to thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. Great discussion. She's just really um, always upbeat, and I love watching some of her you know, videos that she posts on social media. Um, I was thinking to myself, I remember not too long ago, she was you know, through the cape on and the crown and, and just like to have fun. And you know what? That's what life's about. Let's have some fun. You know, I, there's yeah. nothing, you know, there's nothing worse than being around, uh, you know, people that are constantly negative, constantly. And I, you know, whether it's students or whether it's just people and, you know, even f- friends that have been around sometimes that just go down that, that negative trap. And, uh, you know, we see it on the lesson tee, people come out and they don't want to, you know they don't want to open their mind and 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 be receptive to it. They're, I just want to do I want to do this. I just want to do that. I don't want to you know I don't care about anything else. And they're just they're already a negative in con, you know uh, vibe coming from them right from the get go. So you almost know it's difficult to work with them. And uh, I like you know what what was said about getting on that first tee. Um, you know the book of excuses comes out. Well, I've got a, I've had a migraine for the last three days, or, or you know expect I'm going to hit a bad shot and. You know, they go through the laundry list of, of why they're not going to play well. And it's like, well, why, you might as well just go take your clubs off the cart and go back to the car and go home because you're not going to have a good day. And um, right. we got to change that. So, all right. Thank you, everybody, for joining Cindy Nice. Cindy, as always, it's a pleasure. I look forward to uh, next week's special guests. And uh, before too long, I believe the middle of this month is going to be the first, uh, I think it's around the 15th, is the Symmetra Tour events. So, Uh, I suspect the week after we'll have our first winner of the season, so we're going to be looking forward to that. So thanks for joining us, everybody. God bless, and have a great week. Thank you, Cindy, as always. We'll see you next time on the Women of Golf. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStreamLive, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf's Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.